Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Awkward Girl Pod Ventures episode for financial wellness. This week, I am joined by the beautiful Lakeisha Lander. She's the program director from Clark Atlanta University, University Financial Literacy Department. I'm messing up early this morning. I got to get it together. But thank you so much for joining me. Um, I don't know, I guess one of your ambassadors probably followed me on Instagram, but I came across your page and I was blown away. Fun fact, I was accepted to Clark Atlanta, so I feel like, you know, I'm going to try to come to your homecoming. I'm just going to be like an honorary member. Yes. But (laughs) I want to thank you for coming on and because I'm struggling with my finances and I feel like if if I had this knowledge in college, I would have been better off because I think... No shade to my alma mater. I went to Mercer, but I don't think they set us up for financial wellness or, you know, having financial greatness in our adulthood because I have so much financial debt for my student loans. It is crazy. And then I have that on top of regular debt. It's just mind-blowing. So I think what you're doing is great, and I just want to know, how did the program start and when did it start? Well, um, initially, the the program was already going at Clark, but I'm not sure what happened in the uh, planning processes, but um, I was extended an offer based off my background and uh, my pedigree. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I came in, and they had uh, specifics of what they wanted, you know, the students to uh, be exposed to and some of the um, learning content and the curriculums. But me personally... Uh, from experience dealing with, you know, um, higher ed and especially collegiate level, I know that there's a lack of certain things as far as um, financial understanding. So I created the ambassador program. Nice. Now, the financial literacy department was is, is something that the um, president mandated, well, our uh, former president, Obama, he made a mandate in 2009 that all educational institutions um, institute financial literacy in their uh, program somehow, some way. And it's part of our strategic planning. Now, the program um, that I created for the ambassadors is an extension to that because okay. my my um, my mission and my objective is to uh, provide more of an understanding of how money works and grow. Now, we all understand money of how we spend it, what it looked like, what it is, but... We really don't understand money and how to create wealth um, from it. So I wanted to demonstrate that through a a small cohort of students. Mm -hmm. So it it wasn't like a recruitment. It was more of a person um, that wanted to be helped. Okay. So I pretty much um, did that. I went on the campus and was asking students, you know, do you want to know more? Do you want to advocate financial literacy? They didn't understand it, but they thought it was a good thing, so they joined. And then within the program, I incorporated, um, you know, learning skill sets and, you know, uh, establishing something that no one can take from you. Right. And that was important. Yeah. Because I see that you do the scholarships, which is awesome, because I didn't have that option when I was in college. The financial, like, leaders that we had at my school, they just pushed me to get loans. And they didn't look at any other options to do scholarships or anything else like that. So, you know, now that I'm in my 30s, that's all I'm paying back monthly is all the student loans. And, you know, my mom just finished off. She had to take out a loan. So it's just like I felt bad because I'm in debt. Then I had put my mom in debt, too, to help me get my degree. And so I think that's awesome. So my question 
is what does look getting out of debt look like? Because I have right here, you see, I've been trying to do the baby steps from Dave Ramsey. And like the first step is to save $1,000. What does that look like? Because <laughs> like <laughs> I've tried so hard to stay out of the malls and stayed out of Target and everything. So how do you set up a good budget to start putting away for like an emergency fund? Um, I could give you the quick process, but then it still gets deep regardless. Of we can get deep. <laughs> That's why I want to do it because this is something I'm struggling with. And I have a lot of friends, like we're in the stage in our life that we're trying to repair our credit and buy homes and things like that. So this is an essential, essential step so we can, you know, move forward and yeah. get an emergency fund. Well, the first thing you want to do is just you have to understand your income your sources of income, what are your streams of income that's coming in, and actually, can you afford the expenses that you already have? Sometimes, you know, you, we as people are not making enough to even cover the expenses. So a budget is very necessary. A budget is necessary to, you know, pretty much review your income and then look at your expenses. Okay. And then you determine, and it tells a lot. So you can have a, um, a budget worksheet and you put all of your money down there and it gives you a full picture of your habits. It gives you a full picture of what you're spending monthly. It gives you a full picture of what you're spending your mon money on. And then it gives you areas of where you can start to determine is savings in the picture. Should I look for a new job? Um, do I have a talent, a gift, or you know, mm -hmm. um, um, something that I can create uh, a business for myself, or what most people say, side hustle, right. for, for, for myself to get some more money in? What can I do to bring more money in? And usually, <clears throat> it's just yeah, um, cutting down on expenses. Um, a lot of times, you know, we are putting money into things that just doesn't make sense. Right. So that's the very first thing that you do. So you have to create a budget, and in order to determine what your savings is going to be, you have to know what your budget looks like. Right. Once you figure that out and master that, then you look at your expenses and see what you can get rid of. So um, now, this is just a simplified formula. Everybody's situation is different. Right. So, you know, you have to pick and choose what applies. Sometimes some people are really in a deep situation, mm -hmm. so this method doesn't necessarily work. But... Um, after that, when you look at your savings, then you determine what kind of savings you're, you're trying to do. You're trying to do personal savings. You're trying to do emergency fund savings. Emergency funds is usually three to six months to typically cover what your monthly expenses are. Your monthly expenses really shouldn't be that high because it should be covering, you know, um, the roof over your head, mm -hmm. food, clothing, just the necessities. Now, um, I think it would be unrealistic to say, you know, don't give yourself any um, entertainment a joyful time but you know you just do that moderately until yeah, you get to a company yeah and then after you determine the savings then you'll be able to know what you can do as far as um, like investing in your securities and then your wealth grows so it's really like a five step okay yeah because that's what I've you know since I was having you on I tried to be mindful of my daily spending you know I had to take out cash because my account got hacked, so I had to switch banks, so I don't have a bank card. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed how tremendously that affect my spending, because I was more mindful with my cash, mm -hmm. you know, versus when I had my card. So is that something, too, that someone can do to just, like, to track their daily spending? Because with me taking out cash, I think I actually, you know, save more this week than the prior weeks, because mm -hmm. I'll just swipe my card because I have it. This week I had a certain amount of money, and I was like, 
hmm, it's not too bad because I was just being mindful. I was like, I don't need that. Well, when you have cash, it's a budget. Okay. So it's just how you look at it. Um, when you have a car, you're not really cognizant of that. You, you just said, well, I know I have money in the bank. I'm going to swipe. Mm-hmm. So you're not walking around with a ledger in your hand unless you have it logged onto the phone. And then even when you're doing the phone and getting notifications, you have to still look at it and, right. and you know, do your own research and investigation. But taking, giving yourself an allowance, because that's what that is, giving yourself an allowance, whether it's daily, weekly, or, or whatever, um, that's still a budget. So okay. all of it is still a budget. So that actually is a good, um, you know, regimen for yourself. You yeah, know, I think just I'm saying. Continue that, to do that. It like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I don't have my car. This is like setting me back because I had to take out. I had to figure out my gas. I took money out for groceries, and I was like, maybe this is beneficial. So I could just spend what I need, mm-hmm. and then I stay out of Target. Because I swear, <laughs> store is a trap. I go in there for certain things, and then they have stuff on sale. Uh, what's her name? Just launched some kind of collection this this week. My friend put it on Instagram, and I was like, I'm not going. Um, the best Stephen Curry's wife. It's discipline. Yeah. So you have to incorporate those things. I mean, even with the students, um, I have a. I don't know what it was with this, with the new generation that's coming in, but mm-hmm. they're all drinking coffee. So they're Starbucks. It, yeah, Starbucks. they're putting in that Starbucks, girl. It's five. They're spending anywhere between five to what, seven? $8, no, nine, nine dollars. Yeah. Because when I go to Starbucks, I get that and I get like a breakfast sandwich and it's nine bucks automatically. And, and this is this is daily. Yeah. So, so I had when, to cut them out. Right. Yeah. So that's almost 50. If you're just looking at your, your days of like just a lot of movement, it's usually five, six days out of the week. So you're looking at $50, $60 on something that's just why. Right. And it was just because this is my own desire and pleasure. I should be able to treat myself. Not if you're trying to, it's like look at the bigger picture. What are right. you really trying to do? And sometimes the, a life of frugality is okay. That is correct. I'm trying, girl. <laughs> okay, so how would you attack paying off debt and like how it affects the credit score? Because I noticed like if you just pay everything off, because I was trying to pay certain like credit cards and things off, like my score went up like maybe a point or so. And then I was speaking to one of my coworkers, and she was like, you know, you have to pay that off little by little by little, and then that affects your credit. And I was just like, how? Like, if I have the money, I want to pay it off, and then I thought my credit score would jump up. But she was like, no, you have to pay it in moderation. Yeah. Um, well, you don't even have to pay it in moderation. It's just uh, with building credit, it's just a lot of factors that go into it. it they're looking at payment history, length of credit, usage of credit, inquiries, like there's um, multiple things that are looked at to to define your credit habit, you know. So in order for lenders to trust you to see if that you're risky or you're you're a good consumer, that is what they're looking at. Oh, okay. So even if you said, you know what, I'm going to pay all my debt off today, that has nothing to do with the fact that you have been delinquents, you know, for the past seven years. So even if you paid it off, good for you because you're <laughs> debt free, but your credit score probably isn't going to jump from that. It'll okay. jump a few points, but they're still, you know, considering all those other factors. So it's it's pretty much um, understanding the ingredients and what creates the credit score. Gotcha. So when you look at, <clears throat> when you pull your credit, that's what you want to look for. And um, a good, good places to look for that, you know, you have Credit Karma, you have... Um, Credit Sesame, you have Mint.com. All of those give you a snapshot of what the three credit bureaus are reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not rely solely on those because, you know, those are 
free um, right. site. So the information is not a hundred percent. Okay. So you, it, it's extremely important for you to always pull your credit from the three credit bureaus because even with them, they're not always reporting exactly the same information. You may notice information that's different. One credit bureau may say you have 16 inquiries and another one says 10. Mm. So when, um, I don't know if you ever heard this before. When when reviewing a person for credit worthiness, they're looking at three credit scores, and they take the middle score because. Um, okay. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're looking at the TransUnion. They're looking at. Um, See, I can't Equifax. even trust Equifax. They didn't got my little information <laughs> caught up in that breach. Well, to be honest, you can't trust any of them solely. But these are the trusted sites that we we can um, utilize because, as far as their functions, this is what they do, and the information is. Um, pretty much spot on as far as what it's, it should be reporting. Now, the security, I understand that piece, mm-hmm. but those are things we can't control. Right. But as far as what, what the accuracy and what's being reported, it's usually correct unless whoever's reporting the information is reporting it wrong. And then you have the right as a consumer to you know, fight for the correction. But um, you definitely want to look at those to see what the credit scores are and match them up to make sure all the information is reporting the same. Okay. But usually when lenders or anyone that's extending any um, financing um, um, for you for credit, they're looking at the three credit scores. They have their, their main one that they uh, look through. Most most lending institutions or uh, individuals that's financing, they, they look through Equifax. Okay. Um, but like if you're purchasing a car, you're looking at a house, they pull all three. And they actually have different credit levels for the type of um, credit you're seeking because there's a credit score for, well, there's a credit score um, scale that they're looking at for auto, for insurance, and um, also just your regular credit. Okay. For like awesome. loans and stuff like okay. that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm still in an apartment, so I'm trying to get my credit and everything in order before, you know, I get into the homeowner buying process. So that's that's very good to know. Well, that's good to see in your goals. I think the goals is what inspires a person to do what you're doing. So um, that's also part of the ambassador program, you know, since we touched on it earlier, mm-hmm. is the mindset. I find that a lot of um, individuals are not um, mentally there until they reach a certain age. Mm-hmm. And usually it's the late 20s, early 30s, because now I'm responsible, I'm an adult, I'm ready for this. And you're right. like, you've been an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should have been preparing for this early on, but they're not... Um, taught and a lot of times you hear well this should be you and I had a discussion but you know you you should be taught at home right Um, how can you be taught at home when pretty much most of us are coming from the same environment and our habits and practices are the same and you're telling me this should be taught at home but you have no understanding what where I come from right and um, and it should be in the home place but that's just not most that's not exactly. common and, and and even in the school systems the schools are trained to teach a formal education exactly so, that's why I was so happy that you yeah. was doing this because everybody's not educating about financial and how to get wellness and get you know, your budget at an early age. But even with it now, what's crazy is some of the things that are being taught on a financial literacy level, because I think there's a misconception with what financial literacy is. Financial literacy is just informed decisions on money. It has nothing to do with, oh, 
oh, that just sounds like a bunch of accounting or, you know, uh, checks and balances and all of that. No, financial literacy is when you go to the grocery store, do you have enough money? <laughs> right. Like, so you have to really understand what financial literacy is. Financial literacy is in everything that you do, every industry, every society, every economy. It's financial literacy because that was, that's what is part of the makeup of uh, our consumership. Right. So um, I just think that's what the issue is. And a lot of times when people are instituting financial literacy in these educational facilities, they still don't understand the pertinence of making sure people are really aware. They're like, oh, yeah, it's just budgeting and savings. No, it's more than that. Exactly. Because you know what? That's why I was so mad. You know what my financial counselor told me? about the loans, because I was unsure. I was going to probably just leave, because I went to Macon, and I was going to probably come back home. And the reason I went down there, because, you know, I got stuff to do Clark. Yes. <laughs> but I went there because they had biomedical engineering, which I ended up changing anyway. But she was just like, oh, you're going to be making so much money. These loans are just not even going to affect you. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like 21. So, of course, you know, that wasn't what I needed to hear. Because I was just asking her, would it be more feasible for me to go home and just go to, like, Southern Polytechnic or some other technical school? Because I changed my major to IT because the biomedical engineering was just too much for me mm-hmm. at that time. And she was just like, oh, no, just stick it through because when you get your degree, she was just not giving good advice. And for me being 21 and I'm away from home and I want to be successful and not bothering my parents, I'm trying to make the best decision for me. And that's the advice that I got. And see, that's financial uh, literacy, too. Um, when you're investing in your education, can you afford it? Right. And when you're looking at affordability, you're looking at all factors, the length of time, um, what what it's going to take to make sure all expenses is covered, because a lot of times you just see tuition and fees, but mm-hmm. you don't see housing. Um you have these beautiful dreams to go to Ivy League or a school away from home because you just want to get away from home. That's, that's what I did. I was the only child. I was trying to spread my But meaning. the advantage that you lose um, um, from making those type of choices is state grants, mm-hmm. um, um, scholarships within the states that, that your state offers. You When you go into another state, you're not a resident of that state anymore. The only thing that you shall qualify for at that point is student loans. And because typically you're a dependent student when you're going in, as a dependent student, there's a cap on how much you're eligible for, which means your parent has to take out that loan. Yeah, that's what happened. And then the children, the students, the young adults, are expecting their parents to take these loans out and are growing very frustrated with them when they say no. Now, I, I will be frank with you. I have two boys. And I love them to death. (laughs) But my investment in my child is to make sure that they're well-informed before they make these decisions. My investment is not to put myself in debt for you. Mm -hmm. So when people say, well, you you know, I'll do anything for my child. And you are. As a parent, you have a job and a responsibility to make sure your child is equipped and fueled with the information they need to discern and make the right decisions. Not put yourself in debt. And a lot of parents are sending their children, knowing that they're they're barely middle class themselves, mm-hmm. and sending their children to these schools that they're ending up with a debt, the parent ending up with a debt anywhere from sixty to eighty, possibly a hundred thousand dollars in parent plus loans, which has a higher interest rate, almost seven percent. And um, they only get to defer it once and it can go into default Mm -hmm. which hinders them they end up getting their tax garnishes um their wages garnished just a lot it leans on their homes while the child probably only took out 
$10,000 in school. See, I took more. See, my situation was just complex because Mercer is a private institution. It's still in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But when I changed my major, I lost the engineering scholarship. I had the Pell Grant and all the other state-funded grants, but it still wasn't enough because no. I mm-hmm. had to stay on campus. And then that chunk that I lost for the scholarship. So I was trying to add, replace that money. So I, if she would just been honest and just real with me, mm-hmm. I just should have came home. And live with my mom and went to college and finished there and not take out that money. Right. And then to be honest, um, a lot of my background with financial services, I've been in probably every piece of, you know, financial services mm-hmm. in the, um, higher ed. I've been in higher ed for almost 20 years. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, um, but, yeah, I've been in there for a while. And um, um, a big chunk of, of, of my you know, my years in financial services have been in financial aid. Okay. And um, when I first initially started out with it, you know, I, w- I felt like, oh, I'm exceptional at this. The students love me because I'm, you know, very informative. But after the years growing, I became more knowledgeable and well-educated in in that. I was like, wait a minute. I don't feel too comfortable because I feel like I'm setting people up. Right. And, um you know, a lot of times we as professionals, we we understand our job as far as knowing what we should be doing, how mm-hmm. we should be doing, what it says. We know the information because we've been taught and conditioned. But when you begin to care about the work that you're doing, you do more behind research and have a great understanding That's overall. Great, yes. <laughs> so I move myself out of that, you know, mm-hmm. th- that area because I felt like, no matter how well I educate you on taking out student loans and borrowing responsibly, um, the truth of the matter is if you're seeking higher education, especially today, you're by default going to have to take out a loan yeah. if, you, if you don't meet the, the income to get the, you know, the gift aid, the scholarships. And um, I didn't feel right. You know, uh, I, I felt really uncomfortable. So I said, how can I, um, again, with the creation of the ambassador program, how can I, you know, um, bring a resolve because we know what the problem is. My thing is what is the solution? And the solution is to, you know, create a mindset and and get the students to understand debt freedom before graduation. Right. Not I graduate, get a job, then I'm debt free. No, you're mm-hmm. not. You're not even going to have time. Right. Um, and then when you get that income, you have to live off that because that's just one stream of income. If you don't understand how to create these other streams of income, you're stuck for a while. Right. So you're almost enslaved in your current position because you need the job. Right. You know, I, it's more important to to love what you're doing and just want the job and work the job. So the the training comes more into like the the mental capacity of an individual like mm-hmm. how much are you willing to listen and understand how how what this look like you know what do you need to do and it's just really understanding how money work when you're doing savings I always tell people, well, what kind of savings account do you have? Is it a high yield? They're like, what is high yield? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I have one that's linked to my checking account. Yeah. And so, like, that's not a good account. And, you know, And I'm, I'm telling people, everybody has it. So it's not a, I'm not one to tell somebody, 
oh, you don't know what you're doing. You're silly. You're stupid. We, we, many of us as people are accustomed to doing that. When we learn something, we put the next person down for mm-hmm. not knowing. No, your, your responsibility to me is just to further educate and say, hey, you know, this will work out better if you try this type of an account. You know, it has like one point. I actually did it. I told someone, you know, hey, this account has a yield of 1.5%. So if you're going to save your money, why don't you put it in an account that's growing? Right. Um, and they're like, well, it's just 1.5. I said, oh, but you have a commercial savings account that you get two cents at the end of the year. Now you do the math. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, that helps too with a person that's trying to save. Right. You want to look for those accounts that's bringing back that type of yield um, for yourself. Now, the thing is, um, it becomes earnings. So you have to report it to, you know, when you file your taxes. Yeah. Um, And that's what a lot of people don't understand either. And that's, uh, again, another piece of financial literacy that's uneducated. People are not informing them that if you have a savings account and it's actually earning based off your what you're putting in there and how you're saving, it's growing. So it's considered earnings at that point. Okay. You have to report that information on your taxes. And that's very good to know. We're in quarter four now, gearing up to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So that's a good takeaway. So I'm going to look into that myself. <laughs> okay. So for savings, like for 401ks and stocks, do you have any kind of input on, you know, those saving avenues? Yes. Um, 401ks is a must. Um, I mean, they're going to change, obviously, um, in the years to come. But right now, it is still a form of investment. And the reason why is most companies are matching the dollars. I just tell people when you do the 401k, um, especially students that are coming straight out of high school, they want all their money. I mean, not high school, college. They want all their money. Mm -hmm. So they don't get involved in any of that. And I'll give you a great example. When I graduated from college, um, I'm just a good worker. So I said, well, you know, when I get this job, I'm just do what I can do. And I... I found me a mentor, and it was like, are you invested in this, that? And I was like, no, I want all my checks. I'm not ready for that yet. (laughs) And then it was like, well, no, you need to do it. You're young, so you can take these risks. What are your responsibilities right now? You don't have any children. You're not married. You know, you have nothing going on outside of just you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. Now, at that point, you know, I knew what my talents was, but I didn't know how to make a business out of anything that I was doing. So I made money off the company and how I did it. And it was legit. And how I did that was basically investing in my company, understanding their terms of the, their match. Mm-hmm. My company matched me dollar for dollar. So, and then they cap. Okay. So, if my company matched me dollar for dollar at um, 6%, let's just say I put in 3%, 6%, whatever my percentage that I put in, because there's two different caps. There's a cap for percentage, and then there's a cap far as like total dollar amount. Okay. So I always went for the gusto. So I said, well, I'm, I'm going to get my money off top. Right. So I would invest and look at the matching. And, and once I cap, then I decrease my match because I still wanted to invest, but it's no sense of me still putting in 6% mm-hmm. if they're not going to match dollar for dollar at 6%. Right. You're taking more money from me. <laughs> so um, it's even though it's all mine and it, they're investing in it, it was still growing. But what happens when you do that over, let's just say you stayed at a company for a year to two years, three years, and the cap was like about 15000 Within that time frame, what is that? Based off the earnings, you're looking at anywhere from, what, fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 that you've earned off your company right. being invested. So it is important to do that. And you have to look at um, if, 
most people don't even stay in companies that long anymore. Right. And when we leave, we don't roll the money over into, you know, Roth IRAs. Um, you can actually put your money into another IRA. You don't have to reinvest it into another company. You can say, well, I got the money, now I'm going to put it in a different type of secured account. And the money will still grow for you. The reason why you're doing this is because you're trying to set up retirement. As a, and, yeah. yeah, so you, you need some security. So it is extremely important to do it because you don't know what that day is going to be like for you or what situations may happen. Now, with me personally, I had to start over a few times. So to be honest with you, with me doing what I did at such a young age with that money, it, it allowed me to start over and feel great about it. And okay. I was very comfortable. And um, I continue to do it. I haven't stopped yet. Now, compared to me starting over, had, had I not had to start over, I would probably be like living <laughs> beyond, you right. know, like really good. But um, I'm comfortable and I'm happy. But right. but it was because I made those decisions early on. So if someone wants to know, yes, do that. Now, some people don't invest in the 401k because they feel like they can do better in the stock market or in the mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I'm a novice at. I just started dabbling in the stocks about maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, of course, I have like Home Depot and some Comcast stock and Fitbit and little small companies mm -hmm. like that because I'm not have a lot to invest. Yet. Right, right. So I got the small, <laughs> the small companies. So you know, what tips do you have for new people starting off in the stock market? You know, because it, I feel like it's risky. I got kind of scary because it was it a new. Risky. Yeah, it's definitely risky. Um, you know, I always tell people, you know, it's it's smart to talk to an advisor just to get educated. You know, it's always easy to go in and just ask general questions. It's just, you know, a lot of times um, advisors don't like to give too much information because they want you as a client. Right. So they're trying to be careful um, with what they tell you. But it's how you approach them. If you just approach them just because you're just talking, you're like, oh, what's that like? But you, behind the scenes, you're really getting information. Um you got to ask the questions, you know, um, you know, what would that look like? What is the return on that? You know, when do I um, sell? Because what many don't know when you're dealing with like a brokerage company and you're going through someone, they get a, uh, a percentage of every sale that you make. Wow. So, um, well, they got to make money too, right? They do, but you, <laughs> but you want to do it yourself. Right. So, so that's why it's important to understand it and watch it. So it's, it's important to stay, um, pay attention to performance so you can understand that. Um, it's also important to, you know, um, do the comparisons and, and understand a different type because you can do what they call, um, call options, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people like to do opposed to just, putting their money into the stocks. Nice, and okay. mutual funds is good, too. Yeah. I'm looking to send those, too. So do you have any books that, you know, we can read? Cause oh, no. No, no books? <laughs> you know, I'll be in Barnes & Noble all the time looking at stuff. I just don't know where to start. So that's why I started with the Dave Ramsey online to try to give myself an outline of where to start and getting an emergency fund and a three- to six-month fund for, you know, everything else. So no books. No books. And the reason why, um, and see, I'm so bad, and you got me on, you got me live saying this. this it's not live, terrible. it was recorded. <laughs> it's the same difference. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not big on reading a lot of books because I'm not a believer in a lot of people's opinion. Okay, 
and see that's valid. Yeah, we need to know that. Yeah, see people I, be reading into Dave Ramsey and to other financial coaches and stuff like that. And but your tips was very simple because that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna look at my my funds and look at my spending. I'm gonna make myself a budget. I'm gonna get myself in order because it's quarter four. Got to get these taxes in line. So that makes sense. And see, it, I think that I like the the more. Um, realistic approaches towards things because when you hear a lot of um, individuals tell you that this is the way and they have it and, and it has worked for people but it doesn't work for everyone okay so what, what you know what can you do that works for everyone okay that makes sense see that's awesome so is there anything else that you want to share with us um I just think that you know it, we are facing a time where it's really important for us to understand uh, where we are in our today, mm-hmm. and if 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 wealth is important because it, you know there's going to be um, times when we have to come to the table, and the only way we're going to be able to make deals is if we have that money. And um, I you know I did some data uh, research. Now I'm a researcher. Okay. So these these aren't opinion. I'm a fact finder. <laughs> <laughs> we love facts. So I, I'm a fact finder. But I, you know I, I I did some checking and I just I, you know just out of curiosity I was trying to figure out what is the state of the people and you know how do we measure up to other states as far as like the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I pulled that was kind of shocking because they, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's um, liquid versus asset poverty. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of that term. I'm not 100% sure, but just break it down for us. Okay, so um, asset poverty is like individuals that are um, living and they actually have assets. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, Georgia is really low, meaning that there's, uh, and, and it's two times the amount for people of color, meaning we don't have ownership of much of anything. We don't have businesses. We don't have homes. And it's really this way all over, but Georgia percentage is really, really high. Wow. And um, part of that reason is because we are afraid mm-hmm. or we don't, you know, um, we don't understand the risk and a lot of people say, well, it's because we don't make any money, we don't have any money. No, because based off the income, we're, you know, we're doing okay mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the income-wise. But it get, it goes to show that most of our uh, money is being spent in just consuming. We just buy stuff. When you look at the, the race that has the number one um, consumption, it's African-Americans. And you're like, well, I thought they were poverty-stricken. No, no we're we got not. spending power. We got spending power, yeah. but we're not investing it, and we're not we're not looking into what to put the money in. It's definitely real estate. Um, of course, it starts with home ownership because you want that's an asset. You want to have an asset. But when I say real estate, I'm talking about buying power. Like you, are, you're out here getting real estate, and a lot of people say, well, how how do you get into that? No one has any money for that. To get a real estate license, it doesn't cost much. It, mm-hmm. you, it just requires time. Um, you have to put in 75 hours of, you know, um, instructional learning to um, to be deemed as someone who can actually apply for the real estate license. They apply for the real estate license. It's a, it's a small nominal fee. Um, it, it's not a lot. But if you had a real estate license, I mean, you can broker a couple of deals and have some some funds to do some buying power, and then you probably wouldn't even have to get yourself in debt with your own home loan. You can right. you can purchase your home. So these are just it's mental again. 
with knowing those statistics, it make you wonder, like, um, what can I do to, you know, correct the problems? And it's how we look at things and how we attack them and approach them. We don't want to do the same thing everybody else is doing. Right. So this and this also creates a stream of income. Then it also gives you a bridge and a way to, you know, get grow to your wealth. You know, wh- what you're trying to build as a wealth builder. So when it is time to get to those tables and make those major deals, guess what? You got the money. You got the money. Right. Oh, right. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much, Lakeisha. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank I really you. appreciate it. No, for real. You're really doing some amazing things in the community. Um, I, w- I went to Atlanta Metropolitan before I went to Mercer, so I'm always in the in the area. My grandma stays in the West End, so oh, wow. I really love what you're doing in the community and for you know the ambassadors that you have in your program. So I'm about to wrap everything up, but before we go, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and that's one of the you know things that is very dear to me. So if y'all follow me on um, it's Arkita, I'll be posting about different things that I'll be doing this month to to donate. I think I'm going to do the walk this year. This weather is kind of Hit or miss for me, right. but if it be cold, I'll just be out there cold. So this will probably be the first year I, I'm not participating in the walk, but I love it. Yeah, so it's it's so much fun. So it I think is. I'm I, I think I'm going to do a team this year and do some fundraising because yeah. it's near and dear to me, and you know I want to do something because it's breast cancer awareness. So um, thank you for your time. And this episode was produced by Devin at Rich Production Studios. Please leave an iTunes review on iTunes and Podomatic. And I also have to shout out to Shardis Lamb for the amazing intro. intro. I cannot talk today for the amazing intro. So uh, I'll see you guys in about two weeks because next week I'm going to Afropunk. So I don't think I'm going to do any recording. So I'll see you guys in two weeks. And as always, thank you for tuning in.